Hey, creeps, it's Tanya. Just popping in here right at the top to let you know that, uh, well, we simply cannot shut up about this movie. So what you're about to hear is just part one of our two-part creep convo, and part two will be available next week. All right, here we go. Feeling, feeling pretty creepy. Well, welcome to Creep Club, a podcast for the sick and twisted and the morbidly gifted, where we wade through the blood and viscera of the horror genre and discuss which ones creep and which ones should be put to sleep. And tonight, we're going to be talking about 2014's Creep, the film. Our namesake. I know. Mm -hmm. Actually, our name started before we saw this movie, but... Oh, did it? I I can't remember. Actually, I don't remember either. (laughs) No, it, we were Creep Club first. I feel like we were Creep Club before that. Yeah. Before we watched it. But but that's to say we watched this movie before in our original Creep Club format of just doing Netflix parties. Um, and we fucking loved it. That's right. Was this all of our first time seeing this in Creep Club? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yes. Yeah, good. So this was Danny's suggestion, but as noted, uh, we all went into it having seen it together. So uh, It was a reunion. It was a reunion. And yeah. and, uh, and the perfect movie for a rewatch. Be- yes. Because it had a whole new dimension uh, knowing what you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it feels, I mean... You know, like you said, Tanya, we, I guess, had our our Creep Club name before we watched this, but it really does feel like a mascot in a lot of ways for (laughs) for what we enjoy doing. I think that it has a lot of elements of of what we who we are as people and what we enjoy in our spookiness films. I agree. And I'm excited to talk about those elements. Well, well, who wants to kind of give a quick rundown of Danny? It's me. Danny's responsibility. I guess that's true. <laughs> yes. So, so the movie Creep is uh, a found footage film directed by Patrick Bryce. As Chance said, it came out in 2014. And unlike a lot of other found footage films from around the same time, it's not one of those like shaky cam. Uh, spooky monster films uh, that you'd think of when you think of, you know, Blair Witch Project or I think Cloverfield is also another shaky found footage film. This is a real weird experience. So how it starts out is we are following a man named Aaron, who is a freelance videographer who uh, accepts a uh, Craigslist uh, uh what Craigslist offer, post offer uh, to go and film a mysterious man in a cabin out in what looks like, you know, the hills of like outside of San Francisco or something. And uh, what follows is just very strange and bizarre. <laughs> um, we see Aaron kind of uh, not really knowing what he's getting into he he shows up at the house and he meets the man who posted the craigslist ad whose uh name is joseph he says his name is joseph at least 
He explains to Aaron that he has a brain tumor and he wants Aaron to record him for the rest of the day as he talks to his unborn son through this video, knowing that he's going to die before the son is born. Um, it gets stranger and stranger as we go on. Things uh, are are making Aaron uncomfortable. This man, Joseph, is seeming to have like inconsistencies about what he's saying about himself and his son. Um, for example, um, they go on this hike and Joseph claims that there's these healing waters that he wants to go and film in and that, you know, he wants to have a special conversation with his son in these healing waters. In the middle of this hike, Joseph just bolts out of nowhere, just really strange, erratic behavior. Aaron tries to go follow him. Joseph keeps like popping out of boulders and like trying to scare Aaron. So there's a lot of just like Joseph trying to to scare Aaron and make him feel uncomfortable and kind of push the limits, see how far Aaron is willing to go to help out this supposedly terminally ill man. Um, so as things go along, uh, Aaron becomes convinced that Joseph is a weirdo and not exactly who he says he is. He answers a phone call on Joseph's phone while he's in the bathroom from who he thinks is Joseph's wife. Turns out uh, Joseph doesn't have a wife. He does have a sister who explains to Aaron that Joseph is, in fact, a crazy person and that Aaron should book it out of there as soon as possible. Um, you know, what follows is Aaron eventually manages to leave after Joseph hides his keys in the in the house, that the cabin that they're staying in. And we see Aaron then back at his house and starting to receive some weird packages from Joseph. Um, we see that Joseph has sent him a DVD. Aaron plays the DVD and it's very threatening. There is just uh, footage of Joseph, I believe it was like chopping wood um, threateningly. There's footage of um, Joseph in a, in a, in a pack, uh, in, a, in another um, clip that he sent to Aaron uh, talking about how he's sorry for freaking Aaron out. So it's kind of this back and forth, almost like gaslighting behavior where Joseph is um, kind of trying to convince Aaron that he's just this poor, lonely man who just is a little bit eccentric. So we see Aaron really struggling with grappling, you know, grappling with, should I continue trying to help this man or is he actually a crazy person? Um we see that Joseph uh, actually sneaks into Aaron's house at night, uh, records himself cutting Aaron's hair. Uh, it's very creepy. He sends Aaron a locket with the photos of himself and Aaron in it. Um, he sends Aaron a stuffed wolf, which I would love to talk about the wolf more later because there's definitely some things I didn't include in this overview about wolves that I think is interesting. Um, and eventually convinces Aaron to meet him at a public park during the daytime so that Aaron can uh, talk with Joseph. Joseph can apologize to Aaron and kind of clear the air. And the film ends with Aaron sitting on a park bench, recording himself. Um, he sets the camcorder down in his car and films himself going to go sit down, waiting for Joseph. And we see Joseph creeping up on Aaron from behind kind of contemplating what he wants to do, and then uh, 
swinging an axe into Aaron's head, killing him instantly. And we find out at the very end of the film that Joseph is, I guess, what we would call a serial killer. He has uh, dozens of videos of him doing this to various people. He has but videos. Aaron is his favorite. Aaron is his favorite. Is uh, you know he he says that. Uh, Aaron was just a very sweet person and he was his favorite person he's ever done this to. So uh, with that being said, let's talk about how fucking weird this movie is and how great it is. So I want to say the thing, like the essence of this movie that I feel is like, it is lovely that it is our namesake because it, it, it feels like it has the right chemistry for our brand of creep. And I would say there's like, <clears throat> it's a genuinely funny movie. Like there are really funny moments and it can only o- almost be a little bit goofy sometimes. Um, but it's also paired with some deeply, truly unsettling scenes that give me the the creeps (laughs) like it there's a there's a a perfect balance that's so hard to strike like there's a genre of like spoof horror and um what's the right word things like um like teeth you know like that's a movie that that is in a kind of a similar category but it's not quite the same um i don't know they this movie does such a good job of being like really funny and entertaining but also genuinely unsettling and also there's like no gore until the very end and it's from a really far distance because we finally see him harm him by accident in the skull (laughs) harm is maybe a soft term for that um but we're seeing it from such a far distance that it's like it's not that it's not gore it's it's disturbing to watch but it feels like a snuff film it doesn't feel quite real but also very real i don't know anyway all of those things combined i feel like we are basically what i'm saying is i think you guys are really funny but also deeply unsettling (laughs) (laughs) accurate you know (laughs) yeah so the thing about this movie is and the character because the movie and the character the main character joseph the creep kind of have the same charm it's like a sinister charisma where Mm -hmm. you're like totally into it and lulled into comfort and charming things and then are uh made to feel really really uneasy and then right when you get to that line where you're really about to turn on the character you're lulled back through his charisma and charm Mm -hmm. which is what he's doing to aaron through the whole right movie yeah it's whiplash from the start because when he shows up joseph's nowhere to be seen he shows up at the place where he's supposed to meet him which is their supposedly his family's vacation home that has been in his family since he was a child um that's where he and he uh, we presume there was a specific time he's supposed to meet him at his house and he gets there and joseph doesn't answer the door and it's like a, it's a detail that doesn't need to be there, but I like that they did it. They, the house is like 
on stilts almost. It's on a really steep incline and it's like lofted. So the stairs going up to the, the front door are really steep and really long. And so anytime they have to walk up the stairs, they're both out of breath. And so he climbs these fucking stairs. I would be pissed. I would be pissed not just that they didn't show up, that I had to climb those fucking stairs for no reason. Like there was stuff, there's like little details like that, 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 um, I don't know. There's like all of these uh, things happening for the. What's the filmmaker's name? Mark Duplass. Uh, Patrick Bryce. Aaron. In the. Oh, movie. Aaron. Oh, in the movie, Aaron. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, filmmaker is a, a, a serious term to use for this guy with a handheld camera in the movie. <laughs> Aaron. <clears throat> um, you know, he doesn't know quite what to expect. He's got, like, the basic details of the gig. But there's just so much shit happening back to back that's, like, like you said, Danny, like, inching him a little bit further and further away from comfort. But he drove all the way out there. He walked up all of the fucking stairs. Like, they, I, I liked those choices. But <clears throat> so he, he climbs the stairs, realizes that he's not going to answer the door. He's not answering his phone. So he goes back down to wait in his car. And the first moment we see Joseph is him popping out of nowhere and scaring the shit out of Aaron while he's sitting in his car like, rah! And we don't really, it doesn't really read at the beginning that he intended to scare Aaron or if Aaron was just jumpy. But then it becomes this really strange pattern of behavior where Joseph is constantly popping out of nowhere doing jump scares at Aaron and then immediately being like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That was stupid. I'm sorry. But, and then you like forgive him immediately. And you're like, yeah, that was really fucking a weird choice. And, but you, but he just keeps doing it. And, and, and I have, I have something to tell you guys. Don't tell anyone. (laughs) Um, When I was a kid, I went through a phase where I had this uncontrollable urge to hide. Anytime I was with a friend, like at their house or at my house, if they left the room for any period of time, I had this uncontrollable urge to hide and then jump out and scare them when they came back. And it got, it like got to a point where I knew it was creepy and none of my, none of my friends thought it was funny. They hated it. And also I felt like I couldn't not do it. Like it was, I didn't enjoy it, (laughs) but I don't know what that was. And in fact, it went on for so long. I started to think like, is this like a specific kind of disorder that I have? I I don't know. I would, we would need to talk to a professional psychologist. And then in junior high, in health class, they had like a mental health professional. And I don't know exactly what her job was, but she came in to just talk about mental health generally. And then she did like Q&A at the end. And I was like, so I have this friend (laughs) who does this thing and it's really weird and creepy and I hate it. Um, Why does she do that? I'm sure it didn't happen this way, but I remember, like, everyone in the class was like, what the fuck? (laughs) And, I mean, I'd grown out of it at that point, but I was, it was still rattling around in my head, like, what the fuck was that? And she did not have an answer for me. She basically was like, I think they would want to see a therapist. And I was like, okay, I'll let them know. (laughs) Anyways. That, I was thinking when I was rewatching this movie that some of Joseph's behavior is very, like, 
childlike in that way yeah. where you know like i like i said when they're on this hiking trail out of nowhere joseph just like books it just like runs into the woods and aaron's like what like joseph what are you, where are you what are you doing and it just it really does seem like childlike behavior in some ways like there's something that prevented him from maturing into a functioning human person in this way which is why I think Aaron can put up with so much of it because it feels like someone who's maybe like emotionally underdeveloped um, and is lonely. Like it really does seem like someone who like just doesn't have a lot of friends because he instantly is like, we're going to be best friends. (laughs) Like he hugs Aaron right away and he's like, don't worry, it's not going to feel weird later when we hug. Let's just get this out of the way. Like he has that kind of energy of a really needy kid that just really, really, really needs a friend. So like you can put up with shit like that when you feel pity for someone. And I think that's part of it. We feel pity for him and not even about being sick because he doesn't act sick. He doesn't act like he's unwell. In fact, he talks a lot about how like his his body is like kind of miraculous because he, he at the beginning he talks about how he had this other ser- I don't remember the list, but he had like a serious illness, recovered miraculously, couldn't explain it. The doctors were amazed, but now I'm sick again. And I don't know. And, and he's like constantly power walking. Um, and, and Aaron is struggling to keep up with him and he seems really active and healthy. And so the pity comes from him just being really fucking socially weird. Awkward isn't even the right word. Cause he's like very extroverted. Um, just socially weird which is tm but that's part of the cool thing about the second viewing because then it comes into question is he really childlike and stunted or is it but i i don't think so i think it's part of the larger manipulation he's actually a a freaking calculating predator and Mm -hmm. all that is part of that gaslighting right to to he's toying with Aaron and taking him to the line to where he's almost telling him like I'm fucking with you and you're under my control and but as soon as Aaron starts moving in that direction mentally or emotionally uh, he pulls it back back just in the right way to make him sympathetic again Mm -hmm. and that's why he's so (laughs) creepy exactly and it almost seems like he's testing Aaron to give himself permission to continue being weirdo and escalating like well you know Aaron he's he saw the the axe in the stump of the tree when he was coming up to the house to meet me for the first time and that should have freaked him out and he should have left but he didn't you know the first the first um uh I guess videography uh project that they work on together while Aaron is there the second that Aaron gets into the house and you know after he's talking Joseph's talking about his brain tumor he's all right let's go get in the tub and he just like runs up the stairs takes off his clothes and we see him then in the tub just completely naked and I think that you know he keeps testing Aaron in these little ways being like you know, this guy should, should he, he has enough information. I've given him enough reason to leave, but he's continuing to stay. So for me, it felt like all of these weird things that Joseph is doing is like allowing him to give himself permission to continue being weird and escalate it, you know? Yeah. And, and not only in the ways you're describing it, but also in um, 
the vulnerability he creates through the conf- confessionals, both his own yeah. confessions and and getting Aaron to spill the beans on his own inner demons and concerns and uh yeah i wish i could remember when i watched it the first time like what if i clocked anything as a blatant lie because watching it the second time like okay for example one of the first things where i'm like oh yeah like i would be suspicious when he's when right when they're first in the house and he's like giving him the tour of the family vacation home and all the history of it from when he was a kid and now he enjoys it with his wife um he casually points to some paintings of some bears on the wall and he's like and i did those with my dad when i was a kid and i was like that is obviously not true it would be really weird if you and your dad just happened to be really good at painting bears in that specific style like it definitely looked like art that they bought at like a farmer's market you know and i i wonder how much of that stuff like I don't know if I clocked any of it. One of one big one. I feel like the one where I must uh, like. Okay, we need to talk about Peach Fuzz. Yeah, are we ready to talk about Peach <laughs> Fuzz? It's a little early, peach but fuzz. let's just get into it. Pull the bandaid. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, okay. So they're gonna go <clears throat> on a little hike because. Uh, Joseph heard about some healing waters from a taco truck lady um, and they're going to go try to find these healing waters and so he tells Joseph "It's it's a little bit cold outside you should layer up go to this closet over there and there will be an extra hat or coat or whatever so Aaron goes in and he opens up the closet the curtain and there's a big like cartoonish kind of wolf monster (laughs) uh werewolf is the word werewolf style mask um on a shelf in the closet staring back at him and it startles him um and and then joseph comes running in and he's like oh that's just peach fuzz peach fuzz was a mask that my dad made and i'm like your dad didn't make that mask that mask came from walmart (laughs) like that was another one where i was like Your dad is, like, a master mask maker? Like, it's a professional... Anyway, and then he's, like, telling this story about how his dad created this character called Peach Fuzz, and um, it even had a cute little song to, like, help you know that that Peach Fuzz is harmless, and he sings the song that his dad wrote, and it's so obvious that he's making it up as he's going, and that was triggering because I've... I've had someone tell me they wrote a song about me and then perform it for me, and it was excruciatingly obvious that they were making it up on the spot, and I truly didn't know how to respond. Like, I didn't know. I was like, I want to call them out on this. This is crazy. (laughs) But also, they were so, like, confident about it, and they were so committed to the lie that I was like... I guess I'm just going to sit through this and see what happens. Um, And it definitely had that vibe. It was, like, very clear. But that was, like, that was the kind of behavior, like, that that total commitment to it where it throws you off guard and you're like, "What what do you do in that moment? Accuse him of lying and be like, your dad didn't make that mask. 
Also, you made that song up just now. Like, what do you say in those moments? So you just kind of like let it slide. And it's just moment after moment. So that's how Peach Fuzz is introduced. And Peach Fuzz will return later in the story. But again... That's all I want to say. But again, that's like Joseph's whole thing is like making you feel or making well i would say aaron and the audience because you're talking about the first time we watched it and this is how i felt i felt like aaron where you would dismiss things because you're not quite sh- the, the it's vague you don't quite know how to read the situation so you just kind of let him be kind of weird and an eccentric guy but there's nothing concrete to be like oh this guy is i'm, I'm in danger here except and this is, this is actually the scene where it turns for me is when Joseph is trying to get Aaron to stay for a drink and he's silhouetted, silhouetted Joseph is at the top of the stairs. And I think that's the yes. actual cover of the, the DVD. It is. Or, it's or a great, mm-hmm. great um, scene. And he's trying to convince him to come upstairs and stick around for a drink. I think at this point, Aaron is uneasy and wanting to get out of there. And yeah, there's a tipping point. Yeah, and but at the at the diner. And there's but there's this one point where I think it's the first real revealing part for uh, of uh, Joseph is when he says he's like please like there's a please that he asks at the top of that stairs that seems like this aggressive aggressive and like a re- like the first real insight into who this guy really is you know there's something mm-hmm. about it that was. Malicious I like, and do, desperate. I think like the the journey that they go on for the the hike to find the healing waters, which they do find. It's a, some stone, large stones in the middle of a, a, a creek, um, <clears throat> and like erosion over time has formed what looks like a, a the shape of a heart in the middle of one of them and that has water in it <clears throat> and so they find they find it but like danny said he really starts escalating his behavior while they're on that hike and now they're isolated and they're getting further and further away from the car uh aaron makes a couple comments about like we've been walking for a while now aren't you getting hungry and then he's like do you remember how to get back to the car and Joseph just goes, I don't. And then he just continues talking. And I'm like, oh, my God, if I heard that, I would, I would, I don't know what I would do. But, but he's like, but it doesn't matter, man. We've got to keep moving <laughs> forward. We're on a mission. It doesn't matter. And he like, you know, he's so good at disarming the situation when things start to feel, when he can tell Aaron is feeling anxious, he disarms it so like, directly he like you don't have time to think in them in a moment like that when someone when you say do you know how to get back to the car and the only person that could possibly know is like i don't but it doesn't matter like anyway he, but they he's got the charisma of a cult leader like where he yeah. he, he whispers <laughs> yeah. he whispers this sort of like syrupy sweet jargon into your ear yes. and just totally has you wrapped around his finger yeah he has he wants to like present himself as like positive um, and s- like it's about yeah, the like, journey man yeah. yeah like sort of like vague spirituality yeah. uh of sort of not new age but like granola new age yeah. um embrace and life so, yeah and, like the, know, all that stuff 
Exactly. Yeah. And even just like going on the journey to find the healing waters and like the way that he's talking to his unborn son in this like really heady kind of like <laughs> philosophical way. Um, yeah, it's that you're right. He definitely has that vibe. And you cannot, and, and even at the top of the stairs, like you said, like there's something that shifts a little bit and you're like, uh oh. Um, like that that also feels cult leaderish to me too like you push them to a certain point if you stop playing along they can turn on you real fast mm-hmm. um but the i feel like that that hike is so important to the arc of their relationship to each other because because joseph's behavior escalates to the degree where i i wish i could remember what it felt like when i watched it the first time because the first time you watch him just take off running it's it's hard to describe how unsettling that felt i was like because it's so real it's not like it's not like a horror movie where someone's got an axe it's hard to like actually put yourself in that like headspace or it's hard to imagine yourself being attacked by an axe but just seeing your friend take off with fucking no explanation and you're just alone in the woods suddenly, like, that felt very real. Yeah. And I, but I, I didn't feel it again the second time around. I knew it was coming and, like, it was just a bummer. It's a, that's the thing that you have to experience for the first time to get it. There are lots of moments like that in this movie, which Alex reminded me of at the end when um, I was like, did you like it? Because I made him watch it with me and he was like, well, you already told me everything that happened in the story before and I was like oh right I ruined this movie for him right when we watched it for creep club I gave him like an excruciatingly detailed play-by-play immediately after because I loved it so much and I just needed someone to know about it um but 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 he pulls Aaron back in big time because they actually find the healing waters because like Aaron gets pushed to the point where he's, like, angry. He's hungry. He's tired. This guy says he doesn't know how to get back to the car, and he's like, this is not what I fucking signed up for. And you can tell he's, like, getting to that point. And then they find the water. And I wonder how, like, choreographed that was on Joseph's part. Like, it felt like he had timed things. Like, it was the timing of them, like, oh, and there it is. And then Aaron was back in because he was so relieved. Like, it's like sleep deprivation. Like, you know, like he was depleted. And then he's like, surprise, though, I didn't lie about this thing. I know you think I'm lying about everything else at this point. But here they are, the healing waters. And they have like a nice moment where they almost, it almost feels like they're friends. Where they're each taking a turn, like dipping their legs in the healing water. And... And then there's like, you can hear the relief in um, uh, Aaron's voice when he's like, didn't you say you're hungry? He's still hungry. Let's go get some food sport. (laughs) It's like you just smacked your kid and took him out for ice cream. And so he's like thrilled. And then, but then they get to the cafe and uh, Joseph starts pushing it again and gets fucking weird again. Even even with the healing water thing, though, watching it the second time, I remember um, as they're going up to the trail to right before they find this healing water, they see a sign that says sewage outlet or something like that. That makes it very clear that this is actually like not water you really want to be like splashing around in. This is a sewer drain. It's a sewer (laughs) drain. And and 
you know, Aaron clearly sees that. They, you know, they talk about it for a second. But again, it's one of those things where uh, it feels like a warning when you watch it again that this is not, it's not what it seems. And yet, uh, Joseph is able to, like, reel Aaron back in with, with, um, with his actions and, and proving, theoretically, that there, you know, this healing water actually does exist. Yeah, and it's also a reminder that he's sick, right? Because he's not acting sick. And so his, like, whatever sympathy he might have for, like, this is a dying man. He might be fucking weird, but he's a dying man, you know, who seems lonely. He was over that shit because he's out of breath trying to keep up with him on this hike. But they get to the healing waters and, like, that's a reminder for Aaron why they're there, which is this is a dying man. And he's filming this thing showing his kid, like, I'm going to do everything I can to stay alive. Look at me go to these healing waters for you, kid. Knowing that he's going to die anyway. It's like uh, layers of fabrication. But he but yeah, I could see why that would be a perfect manipulation, which is definitely why I think it was orchestrated. Like, it wasn't just, like, fly by the seat of my pants. Oh, I f- I'm going to run off and see what happens. Like, I think he planned all of it. I didn't pick it up, but you mentioning it now, that's got to be what it is. Because, I mean, he basically <clears throat> took Aaron through this thing where he f- you break him down physically, right? Where people are malleable and suggestible. And then you lead him right into this euphoric bonding experience that's, like, yeah. beautiful. Right. And so. and the thing about hiding when he first got there, that's orchestrated. Like, it's like every move is orchestrated. He made sure to direct him to that closet where the wolf mask is. Um, like, obviously, based on how Joseph was draft- dressed, it he didn't need any a, an extra hat. Like, <laughs> you know, like that was every step of it was orchestrated. And b- but he manipulated him enough to like stop doubting him just long enough to carry him further and that's it like just enough to carry him a little further but when they get to the cafe joseph is has been talking about this cafe like they have the they're world famous for their pancakes it's the best pancakes i've ever had in my fucking life i've been eating there since i was a kid and they get there he opens the menu and is like, let's see what's good here. And Aaron's like, I'm sorry, what the fuck? <laughs> Did you not just say the pancakes and also you've been here every day of your life since you were a child, whatever? And I wonder, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Did he slip up because he just slipped up? Or did he slip up intentionally to steer the conversation back into like, dangerous territory because that's what he's doing he's like dipping him into danger and back out over and over and it seems like perfect like he just got him back in a big way and then he's like feeding him a little bit of doubt again or was he did he just slip up i think it's so hard because he's such a master manipulator on so many levels throughout the whole movie who fucking knows at that point because like the outward the silly scary right where he's jumping out and stuff like that like the little kid i'm trying to scare you is just one iteration of the multiple levels of him trying to do the same thing to him psychologically and emotionally so i mean it could have been a situation where he wants him to be uneasy because that's part of the pleasure right Right. so maybe it's like an intentional clue that doesn't give him enough to 
you know, make a to have Aaron make a final decision, but enough to like keep that fear going in a pleasurable way for him. You know? I think I'm convinced 100% that every single thing he said and did was planned in it. I lean that way too. Me too. Because he didn't kill him. Okay. I would also love, okay, we got to continue. We have to just get into the actual details because there's no other way to talk about it. But so now Aaron, you can cut the guy that plays Aaron is not like an award winning actor, but he does what he needs to do really effectively. He's also the director. Like that's the guy that made the movie with, with and um, co-writer Mark Duplass. Oh, is it? Yeah. Mark huh. Duplass and him were, yeah, they made this movie together and starred in it, which is also what makes it feel very special to me. Yeah. So Aaron is really, there's a, He's effective at making us aware that he knows something is fucked up and that he's genuinely nervous. Like, you feel his nervousness sometimes, but he isn't showing it to Joseph. Right. Or he's doing a lot. He's doing really well at showing it to Joseph. But we get to see, like, more of his feeling because he's holding the camera. So we know what he's looking at. Like, we're seeing this unfold through his eyes. So, like, we've... I don't know. Like, if, if Joseph watched it back, he would have more insight. Like, he he saw things that he might not be aware of because Aaron was holding the camera. So that's where we're at. It, this is... I hadn't made this connection until now, but I kind of relate to that experience. Like, I guess like as a woman who before has been in awkward situations with like men, you know, especially as a kid um, or a young, young adult, and they're making me uncomfortable in like maybe like sexual or flirtatious manner. And I'm trying really hard to like not get that across to these people because I, I, I don't know, like I don't want to appear scared or nervous or weak, uh, but but I, I feel it and I, I got that. I got that from Aaron and, yeah. you know, this way of like tr- knowing that he's deeply uncomfortable, but he's really trying to hide it for a, a multitude of reasons. Mainly just to be nice. Right. I don't know. I don't see it as nice because the way he talks about the guy leading up to it, like he doesn't seem like a. Yeah, but his, like but his, necess- but his last st- act of stupidity is to be empathetic and right. it cost him his life. I, you I know don't, what I mean? I think that we start to see maybe the empathy shift to like, I just need this to be done with. And it's so clear that Joseph is trying to like make it into a bigger relationship. Like he's trying to force this like grand. Oh, is that what the uh, heart shaped locket was about with their pictures? (laughs) (laughs) And I think, I think like, like, like Danny's saying, like out of self-preservation, you just have to like, what can I do to expedite this process so I can get out and of not escalate possible and right. not escalate when you have someone who's just like thirsty for connection and you're like, I just need to leave. And so we see him. OK, so what happens next at the diner is that um, after Aaron's like, wait a minute there this is like a big inconsistency and also uh joseph's response to it wasn't super convincing um 
then Joseph sort of like um, derails the conversation, just like complete non sequitur. He's like, tell, tell me uh, some, have you done something in your life that you're really ashamed of or something like that? Um, and, and then he's like, give me the camera. Like, let's take the focus off me for a minute and let you talk. And so he's like asking this guy who he needs to build trust with again to reveal like collateral. That's also very cult leaderish to feign a, a moment of connection when really you're looking for collateral and and not like like blackmail collateral in this case, like like emotional collateral to say like, I'm gonna like, it's like clinical manipulation. It, there's no feeling behind it. He's just like, I'm gonna make you say something, tell a story that will like your brain well, you'll like change the way you feel because you're recalling a story that's uh, that you're, you're ashamed about and it makes you inherently more vulnerable just talking about that story and that's the emotional collateral he needs he needs to like soften him again and then and also give him the appearance of like we're gonna we're gonna trade like this is a way for us to you know we're swapping stories that's how friends become friends and then when it's his turn <laughs> We went from peeing our pants when we were kids to him saying, I was secretly taking pictures of you when you showed up at my house and I pretended to ghost you. <laughs> and here they are. And he just pulls them up on his phone. And it's so jarring. And you can see, like, that whip, that's, like, the biggest whiplash moment for, for Joseph so far. So it kind of, like, cuts forward to them getting back to the house. Like we don't see much of the conversation that follows after that he's just but Aaron does a good job of convincing him that it's not a big deal actually like yeah it's weird but you know I'm past it and in stupid me even watching it the second time was like no you fool he's lying but he fucking knew that but he couldn't say that he's at the mercy of this guy now he's not even at his car so there anyway they get back to his house and it's dark and um and Joseph invites Aaron in for a drink. Well, before they even start as ascending these fucking stairs. Aaron's like, "I think I'm going to head out." And it's so clear that Joseph is assuming that they're both going up. And that's when they get into that like tense argument. It's not even an argument. Like it's, negotiation almost. Yeah, and and the negotiation tactic is like, I'm not gonna back down. I'm like not going to engage in that as an option that you're leaving. So he's like, Oh, I was gonna ask you up for a drink. And then there's just this like deafening silence for so long. Can you imagine being in a conversation like that with someone? Where, like, normally it's like, oh, I was going to invite you up for a drink. Are you sure? No. Okay, well, have a good night. No, this person's like, I was going to invite you up for a drink. <laughs> he just fucking stares at him. I would fuck... I don't know what I would have to do in that situation. But they he won't back down. Like, Aaron's, like, fucking over it. And he's like, no, I have everything. I've got my keys. I'm I'm good it's been a long day whatever and he's and he just won't won't back down to the point where Aaron finally fucking gives in and it's just like 
okay, just one, one drink. drink. <laughs> and it's crazy to 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 think that this guy, but it, you know, he's been manipulating him back and forth, pulling him in and out all day for hours and hours. The sun is down. This guy is like so confused emotionally. Is that his? I is that the first him. instance of him truly having control over uh, Aaron? Like is that is I think is so. that like the first time where he like literally Aaron wants to do one thing clearly stated he wanted to do one thing and and, so. and he completely there, and makes, there's no compromise and there's no but he makes him do what he wants anyways yeah that's the first time and that's when we actually f- that's when I feel like we're oh this guy's actually dangerous yeah. and I feel him being dangerous like you're like oh what's he up yeah. to he's a crazy and again that's that whole <laughs> silhouetted silhouetted on the stairs scene and yeah. yeah. <gasps> What? I love that it's called creep because people would just hanging out with him murder aside if you don't know about the murdering part he's a creep like he's just a creep and if and if if the story ended with Aaron finally just going home and that was the end and that was a weird thing that happened and if that was the story like yeah he's a creep and that's like the thing that he uses to disarm people he like leans into being off-putting and upsetting and weird and and is like if i i don't know it's like when you start to accept that behavior from someone you're like it that's just who they seem, are yeah it doesn't seem possible because you don't think about people murdering other people but yeah he's able to like push it all the way up to the very edge it's incredible Am I overrating this movie right now because I'm high? <laughs> no, this is this is a fantastic movie. And, you know, <clears throat> leading into what you just described, the scene where they're, you know, on the stairs negotiating in a threatening way. You know, when Aaron goes up to get this drink, it's very clear that the gears are turning in Aaron's head. Like, what what do I need to do to get out of this situation? And we, we learn after after Aaron finishes the drink... Uh, that he cannot, no, he no longer can find his keys. He does not know where his car keys were. They were in his jacket. Now they are not. And we know that Aaron knows that Joseph did something with the keys. Well, we we have to talk about what Joseph told Aaron before that happened. <laughs> because this is where Peach Fuzz makes a return. <laughs> and it's this is so awful. <laughs> it's actually funny. It's the funniest part of the movie. Um... But it, like, has a, tw- a little bit of a twist, I would say, in tone right at the end. So the sto- we're going to tell the story. So, okay. So he tells this story. He's like, it's another moment where he's like, okay, I want to record, like a, like, a conclusion to the video. Like, just a recap of the day. And Aaron, so Aaron has the camera on him for that. And, and then Aaron tries to... Aaron gets up to leave and he's like, wait, I have something I need to tell you. And he's like, he gets him to sit down very reluctantly. And he's like, I have a lot of money. I'm, I'm a dying man with a lot of money. And the way, like the tone of his voice is so nonchalant and off-putting and like shitty. It sounds like a rich person thing. Like the way that he's presenting it, it's convincing almost um, but he, but basically he's like, and, you know, today meant a lot to me. I feel like 
we made a connection and obviously you need money if you're taking this job and he starts to like neg him a little bit um like you're having money problems right and and basically he's like i want to give you a shit ton of money and Aaron is fucking over it and he gets up again and he's like I gotta get out of here and he's like thank you but no and he's like why wouldn't you just why wouldn't you take free money and he's like Aaron look in your boot there's a check in your boot and <laughs> and again I've already seen this movie and it tricked me too so he <laughs> leans down to get a check out of his boot and and Joseph's like I'm fucking with you. I didn't there's no check in your boot. It's it's like genius level manipulation <laughs> and also hilarious. Like what a silly little prank to pull on someone and and it's like insulting and humiliating. Like he's it's like he's trying to humiliate Aaron. And and then he disarms him again by switching gears completely and he's just like actually okay there's something else i need to tell you i lied to you and then we hear peach fuzz version two <laughs> which uh chance do you want to tell the story no i want to hear danny's take <laughs> okay wait no i i can't remember <laughs> <laughs> someone re- recap it I can't. Go for it, Teach. You're on a roll. Peach Fuzz was not a mask made by his dad. In this version, he got it at a dollar store. I'm sorry. Again, that mask did not come from a dollar. Why do you need to lie about where the mask came from? Like, that did. It was not a Dollar Tree mask. Anyway, so, V2. Peach Fuzz was not made by his dad. He said one day, very dramatically, the internet was slowing down in our house. <laughs> and the tone of his voice and what came out of his mouth was so funny to me. Um, I can't believe like, I did forgot you, about that. I laughed out loud at that moment. Anyway, the, it, it's like he's telling a spooky ghost story and it starts with the internet was getting really slow. And so he called the internet company, or he talked to a friend that's like a computer guy. And the friend is like, maybe your browser history is full. <laughs> so he goes home and he opens up his browser and such horrors, Aaron, <laughs> such horrors he saw in there. He starts using like, like it's like he's gonna slip into old English suddenly. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, and he finds out that his wife, is real kinky and has been watching a lot of porn, an inordinate inordinate amount of porn, and also mostly animal related. <laughs> so he's got a wife who's into bestiality suddenly. And so one night he didn't say anything about it, didn't mention it, everything was normal. One night he went to the dollar store and bought a professional monster mask and uh, snuck through, waited till his wife was asleep, snuck through their bedroom window, tied her to the bed, and then she woke up, he does say, and then they proceeded to have animalistic sex for hours. And he's not gonna lie, 
he enjoyed it. And we're like, what do we do with this information? <laughs> like, what do we do with this information? What the fuck? And, and then he says, Aaron, I raped my wife. And that, like, that moment shifts everything, like, drastically suddenly. Because you're hearing the story and you don't think, like, he's done anything wrong. Like, he's, it sounds consensual. It sounds like a weird, kinky thing that happened in a relationship that people don't talk about. It's weird people, that he's you know? sharing it. That's the weird part, right. is that he's talking exactly. about it with somebody. Exactly. But there's nothing wrong with what he did. It's just a deeply intimate story that probably didn't need to be said to a near stranger. Um, and then and then to follow it up with, Aaron, I raped my wife. It was almost like... I don't, I don't know. What's your take on why that needed to happen? You know, that's interesting because how I took it, that story, is that Joseph did rape his wife. That's how I took it, is that his wife never knew that it was him and um, that he snuck into the house wearing this peach fuzz mask and raped his wife. And the next day they didn't talk about it. It was kind of, to me at least, implied that the wife enjoyed it, but at the same time, it was kind of non-consensual. But, like, I took it as, like, a really weird gray area that I would put over the edge of, like, not consensual because of how it wasn't set up to be consensual. So that's interesting. I took it as, like... Obviously, it t- this is obviously we find out that he doesn't have. A yeah, wife yeah, I was gonna say there is there is no actual wife. There is no wife. This didn't yeah. actually happen. However, in the, in for the, all of you out there that were yeah, feeling hard all, all of you out there, there was no wife. It was it was a, a, a tall tale. Yes. However, within the tall tale, it did feel to me like he was admitting uh, a no no, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Right. Well, I, well, my take is that this is just, I mean, this whole scene that we've already talked about is an escalation scene. It's like the biggest escalation mm-hmm. that really like cuts the movie, that cuts the movie kind of in half. And mm-hmm. I think, again, part of the pleasure on uh, Joseph's side of things is giving clues to his predatory intentions and i feel Mm -hmm, like and i feel like that's just he's been teasing and creeping to the line and pulling back but that was just like a full-on mask off yeah like a revelation of who he he really was and it was like a uh because he i think he felt like he finally had aaron in a position where he could control him it didn't matter if at this point Aaron was truly scared and wanted to get out of there, he couldn't. And so it was just a, right. it was a dominating act. I can't remember how immediately after this scene is, but I remember Joseph runs off. After, I think it's after telling the scene, he runs off. Well, right after that happens is when he tries to leave. Yeah. Because right after the story, Aaron doesn't really respond. He just responds by getting up to get the fuck out. Yeah. And is basically like no more pl- pretending to be nice. Like he's cutting the bullshit and he's like, I'm leaving. And that's when he can't find his keys. His keys are no longer in his pocket. And even even then, when it's clear that Aaron is like, 
fucking done. He is out of there. He's still so calm for a minute while he's looking for his keys. I wouldn't say calm. He is aggressively looking for his keys. And you know, like, he knows that this guy is trying to keep him there at that point because he's looking in kitchen drawers. Like, he's looking for it in hiding places right in front of Joseph. Like, he's saying, I know you're hiding my keys, so you might as well just tell me where they are because I'm going to rip the place apart. Maybe not that dramatic, but... um, but it becomes really clear that he's, like, trying to escape at this point. This is the beginning of the attempt to escape. And <clears throat> um, and then we kind of, like, the, the second half of the movie jumps in time a lot more um, and faster, uh, which also, I think, is a really smart choice because we're almost watching things in real time. We can't actually watch it in real time because it's a whole fucking day, it's hours of them, but it feels almost real time in the first half. But in the second half, we've got a lot of time to cover, and so it jumps ahead more, but that also makes it feel more unsettling. Like, you're struggling to get your bearings because there's no downtime. And essentially what happens is uh, Aaron is like, give me my fucking keys. And he's like, no. And Aaron is smart enough to really quickly realize that that's not going to work and that's not how he's going to escape. And then we start to see Aaron actively manipulating the situation. Uh, and so we're, both of them are sort of head to head at this point. It's like final boss mode. <laughs> and so he... Uh, he agrees to sit down for for another drink and and you know looking for his keys even then joseph is playing it he's playing dumb and he's just like well it's dark and let's just wait until the morning you can stay the night just wait until the morning the place will be flooded with light and we'll magically see your keys (laughs) we just need sunlight to find your keys um and so he so th- he can see that Joseph's not going to back down just like he did at the top of the stairs like it's no there that's not there's no negotiation anymore and so Aaron another th- thing that's like ha- this is my one criticism about editing choice he, we suddenly see him secretly dumping powder into a drink that he's now pouring for Joseph. It jumps ahead, like, pretty far. It jumps from, basically, Aaron trying to escape to Aaron pouring him a drink and secretly pouring powder into it. We don't know where he got the powder. We don't know what the powder is. Honestly, it doesn't really matter. We can assume all of those things. Like, we can just fill in those blanks. But I don't know about you. I felt like I had to actively fill in the blank, like, explain to myself why he would have powder. And I'm like, why wouldn't they show even just a split second of something in between, like some some scene or some shot in between where we see him like... With Benadryl pull. or something. Exactly. Know? Like, did he go to the bathroom and get it? Like, I don't know. That felt like a gap. Maybe he, when he was in the car in the beginning, right? He pulls out some medication because it's time to take his meds and he pops a pill, right? And puts the med- I missed that completely. No, 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 no. I'm saying they should have had a scene like that. Oh. <laughs> no, no, that wasn't in there. <laughs> See, that's how good it was, right? Because it sounds like it should, it should fit. And, like, it's hard. I, I could see that being really tricky to not um, feel contrived 
So I can understand I can understand why they would jump ahead because it honestly doesn't matter. Like ultimately it's not that important for us to understand how he got them. There are mul- a multitude of ways that he could have gotten those pills. It just seems like a strange choice for such an important like plot point to not explain how we got there, but whatever. I'm willing to overlook it. The rest of the movie is absolutely perfect. So so he gives him the drink and he pours himself just a teeny tiny bit, that old trick. And um and then we see whatever was in the drink is sedating Joseph and to the point where he's losing f- bodily function. <laughs> he's like like sort of slumping over and he lies down inexplicably on the brick fireplace mantle thing. (laughs) Um, Like, the least comfortable spot. But, actually, as I'm saying that, that would have given him the best vantage point. Because if he had been, if he had gone to any of the furniture, his back would be facing where Aaron could go. But if he's against the wall and facing out, he can see the kitchen he can see the hallway and he can see down like toward where the bathroom is wow anyway they thought of everything um so he's like appearing to fall asleep whatever he gave him was is now sedating him and now aaron's gonna like he's determined to find his keys and uh so he makes sure that joseph is out of it enough and starts going through his pockets. He pulls out Joseph's phone, and he doesn't find his keys. Does he find his keys? Um, do we find out where his keys were? I don't think so. I don't think we so. do. That's another detail. Yeah. I guess it didn't matter. I didn't even think no, about Yeah, it. because he had to have his car towed. Right. That's right. Oh, that's right. Okay. So, so yeah, he... he, he takes Joseph's phone out of his pocket, which rings in that moment. And so he has to run to the bathroom and shut the door so that the the ringtone doesn't wake up Joseph. And he answers it, and that's when he talks to Joseph's sister. And he assumes that it's his wife because it comes up on caller ID with the same name that he gave him. But so he assumed his wife is calling Angela, him, but we I find out that it's Angela? his sister. Angela, yeah. yes. Um, but Angela is his sister. And there's a really great, great moment. I love this little scene. It's so good. Um, where th- he's, it, there's a lot of confusion on the call on both ends. Like, why is this random person picking up my brother's phone? And he's like, hold up, what the fuck? You're his sister. And now we're thinking immediately of the Peach Fuzz story. And what does that mean? And then... And then she's starting to, with enough information, just a little bit of information, she knows that he's in trouble. And she tries to keep him calm, which is the most scary part of it, (laughs) is that she's obviously trying to keep him calm. Like, the calls coming from inside the house, walk out. Like, the moment in Black Christmas. Oh my god, it's the Black Christmas moment. They took it right out of the Black Christmas playbook. Anyway, um... So he's like, she, she's like, you need to leave. Um, like, you just need to just calmly walk out the door and leave. And he is like, am I in danger? And 
she's like just tell me where you are i can go. and he's like i can't I, I can't i can't find my car key she's like i'll come get you she's trying to help this guy escape now what does she know and i want to come back to that um but anyway so so he starts to walk out of the bathroom and he realizes fucking joseph is gone he's no longer and you see like when he walks out of the bathroom where joseph was lying he would have seen everything so he probably heard the whole conversation but he's gone this part stresses me out (laughs) (laughs) trying to escape a house and the only really the only thing stopping you is like manipulation is so scary and it's also interesting that this isn't the climax of the movie right because yeah no uh it feels like the final lack of a movie but it's but it's not it's like almost maybe a little past the middle and then it shifts Mm -hmm. to that whole other time scheme of where basically uh joseph is like a ghost haunting uh aaron at his house and it just escalates with like we've told the whole story we're nearing the end of the story in any other movie like this like, there is no act three for movies like this. There's act one and two, and then sometimes a twist ending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we got, like, a twist ending that lasted 45 minutes. Right, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the time break is, but it is. it feels I'd like... I'd say, like, the last 35 minutes, probably. It is a chunk, yeah. a solid yeah. chunk of time. And I love... I feel manipulated by this movie because of that choice so so he it sort of cuts ahead well we gotta go back to pete we'd have to tell yeah. the last thing about peach fuzz okay 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 so joseph's gone and he's like oh fuck i'm out of here so he rounds the corner goes down the steps because this is a split level home so the front door is down a level so he turns he's going down a flight and he has to turn to go down the second half of the flight and low it is Peach Fuzz standing with his back against the front door, blocking his exit. And the first time I watched this movie, I felt fucking nauseated when I saw him on screen. I genuinely was like scared. It scared me. And it wasn't like a jump scare. It was just like a deep, stomach deeply drop. Dis- yeah. yeah, it was so disturbing. And we see him start to like gyrate, gyrate. <laughs> like like sexually um, and threatening, and the and the growl, and he's not talking. We know it's Joseph. We can't see his face, and now we're feeling what his imaginary wife felt, I guess. <laughs> and um, and uh, I just wiped my brain. I think that's just, it cuts, right? Well, well, so, but the thing about that is it's like that scene, we actually see Joseph in his true form. So like that uh, nondescript mundane guy that's... Yeah, he's an animal. Yeah, he's like, that's actually who, that's the spirit of the entity we're dealing with is Peach Fuzz. And his face is gone. And the mask is the reason why Tanya is mentioning that it's not a dollar store mask is because it looks like a legit cool 
werewolf mask that's like pretty yeah. detailed so it is intimidating yeah, that and mask scary easily cost at least a hundred yeah it, it's yeah it's as effective. someone who recently bought a creature from the black lagoon mask i can tell you <laughs> yeah. how fucking expensive they are yeah so it's a revelation <laughs> it's the full revelation of the monster in that scene yeah and uh yeah. and then uh so at that point aaron just decides to fucking go for it so he charges him i feel like it's important to say He's like, why are you doing this to me? Right. He's finally just like, a, it's. he's finally it's out. acknowledging Yeah, it's it. out. Yeah. He's like, why are you doing this to me? Are you just trying to scare me? Or are you trying to scare me? And the wolf nods slowly mm-hmm. up and down. And that was such a great, oh, I love the writing of this whole scene. Um, and, and he doesn't play it crazy. He plays it like a calculating Right, Editor, you know? exactly. Yeah. And he's like, are you going to let me leave? And he shakes his head slowly, no. Like, we're not sure what's real and not. How serious to take the situation. Yeah, we're ex- fully expecting by the time we see Peach Fuzz make his final return, not final return, his return in the house, we like, we feel that Aaron is in em- imminent danger and he's definitely going to die. Like, we assume that Aaron is going to die. We hope that he doesn't. We want him to leave. But, like, there's a real good chance he's going to die. That's a wrap for part one. So come back to us next week to, I guess, find out if Aaron is going to die in part two of Creed. All right, let's go get in the tub.